0: We, um, in our holiday times together, uh, we've been going back to uh, to a different series to what we do in term and it's called Surprised by Jesus and uh, we've been doing it for quite a few holidays now but I don't think that's very ironic because Jesus did lots of things that were very, very surprising to the people around him in his day Um, but there's plenty for us to learn in that as well. So today we are going to be in um, in Luke 15. I'm very glad that Tanya went through all of those stories for us because it's a long chapter, so I'll be picking out little bits, but I won't read the whole thing. So if you want to get your Bibles ready and open up to Luke 15, that would be really good. Um, but similar to Tanya, I was definitely thinking about a moment in my life when I lost something that I didn't think was going to come home when I was preparing for this message. And a story jumped to my mind that I thought I would share with you, and The context of this moment in my life is very, very important. It would have been late December, if not the first week of January this year. And I had just just finished uni, I'd been at uni for eight years and I had finally finished study for now. And uh, that left my mind a little bit weary. We had just wrapped up Christmas here, which is a very big time for myself, there's carols, there's celebrations. And I was actually uh, in the auditorium packing up all the Christmas decorations, you know, the trees and the lights and packing them all up here, getting them up into the mezzanine in the hall, feeling a little bit weary. I was also about a week away from getting married. So obviously there was plenty on my mind when it came to that as well. I had to move twice in the six weeks before we got married, once out of the place that I was living, back with my parents, and then again into the place that Tom and I were moving into after... our um, our wedding day, and so needless to say, I was feeling a little bit scattered. I did not have much brain power left at all. I was getting very ready for uh, an incredible day and a great holiday. But I'd packed up everything here, went into the office to grab my stuff and head home, and I could not find my car keys. (laughs) My car keys were on this chain, the uh, keys to my parents' house, the keys to our brand new rental that we'd just gotten were on this set of keys. And I thought, okay, all right, let's go. And Matt and Mary Ellen, very, very uh, friendly, they, they jumped out and helped me search for, I think, probably 45 minutes. It was a really long time. We upturned everything, emptied my bags. Eventually I came and thought, yeah, I really should call Mum and see if she can bring a spare car key for me. And so she came and she continued to help us search while we were here. And I hit that point, you know, when, when I was like, I, I know the keys are in the building. They're in this building, but I'm never seeing them again. Like, they're gone. They must have, you know, they've evaporated into thin air. And I don't remember. I think it might have been Mary Ellen who suggested again, look, just go back. Like, we're just going to have to go through the decorations and, and see what's there. And there were boxes, right? Whole Christmas trees, backs and boxes. So, you've seen this place. Fairy lights galore at Christmas. But eventually, I picked up one box that was on a shelf, in a cupboard, in the hall. And if you picked up the box and looked at the bottom of it, thank goodness it was clear, my car keys were at the bottom of this box of fairy lights. Now, I was very, very pleased to have my keys back in my possession, but when I think about that day, what still sits so heavy on me is that moment where I just thought, yeah, they're gone forever. There's absolutely no way I'm going to see these keys again. And I'm sure so many people have a story like that, right, where you lose something or maybe there's something in your life that is still lost and you feel like you know where it should be but it has eluded you and you are not sure if you'll ever see it come home again. But I think sometimes we also get this sensation about people a little bit too. People that are lost in the sense that they're living a life away from God, we see them struggling, we see them lonely and we're not sure if they're ever going to find their way back to him. And there's so many reasons why we might feel like that. Sometimes it's just because we feel like so much time has passed. We're not sure that they are going to be able to come home, overcome a hurt and see God as a loving father again. Sometimes it's because we know they've been really hurt by the church and we don't know what to do to help them reconcile what happened to them here so that they can come back and, and be in a family, in a place of worship again. There might even be some of you here today who you don't don't know what you think about God. You're not sure who he is to you, but you know that you feel a little bit lost in life. There's so much anxiety in our world at the moment. Finances and COVID, you don't know what's coming from one day to the next. And I hear so many people that are desperately searching for a life raft, but they don't know if they're ever going to find it. They don't know if maybe this is all there is, this scared and empty feeling. And we look at these people and we worry, we worry, we can't see how they're going to find their way home. And as we saw in that story, there were some people in Jesus' day that were actually a lot harsher than this. The Pharisees, they were the Jewish religious leaders of the day. And these guys are pretty stereotypically, um, not stereotypically, pretty typically described as hypocrites. They really, really prided their station. They were all about rules and religion and not about relationship and loving people. And when they saw these outcasts, sinners, the broken people that Jesus was spending his time with, they looked at them and they thought, yeah, they deserve to stay lost. They're not worthy of the love of God. They're not worthy to be in the kingdom with God's people. And the three stories that we're hearing about in Luke 15 today is actually Jesus' defense against that. He has some really clear lessons to teach the Pharisees in response to their belief that the lost deserved to stay lost. But I also think that in what Jesus says, there's an encouragement for us as people who maybe just really worry that the people we love who are lost won't come home. And I know that there's an encouragement in here for anyone here today who feels lost and wants a way to find a place that is safe and warm and whole again. So I just want to quickly pray before we go too much further, if we can. Lord, we thank you so much for the joy that it is to be together, all together on, on the school holidays with the kids, and, and we're so thankful for a church that has people from all generations, all walks of life. Lord, we thank you for the joy that it is to worship together, just to come and, and rest with you, God, and to feel your joy and your peace washing over us. Thank you that you're already meeting with us here today, Lord, but we ask that as we come to your word and as we look at our lives, Father, you would would send your Holy Spirit afresh to help us to translate what what these stories first told thousands of years ago mean for us today, Lord. Help to show us what you want us to do because of the commands of Jesus, who's our everything, our, our, our compass, our guiding light. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to you here today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we said, there's, there's three stories in Luke 15 about lost things. And Jesus talks about these lost things to sort of tell us something a bit about what lost people are like. He says they're like a stray sheep, a prodigal son, and a missing coin. And the first parable, so it talks about a stray sheep, right? Now, sheep, they love being in herds. It is where they, they thrive. But in this story, the sheep has strayed away from their, their flock and is now left alone. If we flick over to the next slide, it says that Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a 100 sheep and loses one of them. When the sheep goes off on its own, it's away from its shepherd, right? It's it's exposed to the terrain, which was really, really unpredictable and dangerous in the ancient Near East. It's exposed to the elements. A sheep that stuck out on its own is in desperate need of saving. And Jesus knew that the people that he was spending time with, these these sinners and these outcasts, just like so many people today, can be like sheep that have strayed off without their shepherd. And when that happens, we find ourselves in life exposed to pain or at risk of harm or taking the wrong path and ending up somewhere even worse than we began. He knew that when this happens, we feel so constantly fragile, like any little toss and turn from life leaves us just feeling like total messes, not sure where to turn or how to feel. Jesus knew that so many times in life, the lost are helpless, like a straying sheep. The parable of the, uh, the prodigal son is another famous story there. Sorry, Adrian, will you be able to flick along a couple of slides? Next one, thank you. About a, a young man, a Jewish man, where well, you can read there, who, who so audaciously asked for his share of his inheritance from his dad. But his dad was nowhere near his deathbed. He was alive and well. The family was still living together on the estate, but the son said, nope, I would like my share. And that wasn't to tend it, that wasn't to grow it as part of the family. He took it and he ran and he wasted it as irresponsibly as he possibly could. And we have quite a comparison here, right? We see this picture of a sheep that is helpless and it's strayed away and it's lost. But then we see this other picture of a son who is actually really rebellious and has actively run away from his father to live life the way that he wanted to. But I'm sure we've heard so many stories like this. People that know something about who God is and and what he wants for our lives and they say, nope, that's not for me. I'm out here. I'm going to live my life the way I want. Whether it's to party or for a relationship, to chase over wealth, whatever it might be. So often in life we know too that the lost are kind of wayward, like a rebellious child. But the other thing that Jesus says the lost are like is a missing coin. Now coins, they have very little value in our day and age. So this probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. You know, we've gotten rid of really small value coins in the last little while, one and two cent pieces. Since COVID, the amount of cash that people carry has almost disappeared. But this coin was really, really valuable. It was a drachma, which is valued at like a whole day's wage for someone in this time period. And that is incredibly valuable to someone in Jesus' time. It's not explicit in the text, but there is a chance that this coin belonging to this woman was part of her dowry. We're told that it's one of ten silver coins, and it was customary in this day for women to gather ten silver coins that they would present to the, the husband and the family so that they could be married, and they would turn it into a headdress and wear it in the lead-up to their wedding. We don't know if that's the case. That would make it incredibly valuable for her, but we can also tell from this parable that, that she's poor. She's living in a dark house where she needs to light a lamp and we know that houses in that time, they often didn't have windows, the floors were covered in straw and here she is, a poor woman in a, in a house that's really not easy to find a coin like a needle in a haystack and she is, she's searching for this coin for dear life. And so Jesus is also trying to tell us that the lost are really valuable just like this missing coin was to this woman. And see, sometimes in life we... We know people who are lost. Or maybe we are the ones that feel that we're lost ourselves and there can be so many different ways that that happens, you know? Like the sheep that strays off its path, helpless and maybe not knowing any better, ending up unprotected and alone. Sometimes it's like the sun. People choose. No, I don't want God and I'm going to go and do it my way. I want to live my life free of, of any of this, this weight that you guys are trying to put on me. I'm not here for it. And, and a lot of the time there's a certain amount of arrogance in that thinking that they know better than what God would have for them. But we can see too that the lost are always, always valuable to God, like the coin. It does not matter how someone becomes lost, it never ever disqualifies them in the sight of God. And we can see that because these parables also show us something about who God is as he searches for the lost, these helpless and these rebellious and valuable lost. We can see that he searches for them sacrificially and meticulously and patiently. And so in the parable of the lost sheep, we turn our eyes from the sheep to the shepherd now, It says that that he had a a really quite a large flock, a flock of 100, and this one sheep wanders away. Now, if one sheep wandered away out of 100, that wasn't necessarily going to jeopardize their livelihood, and yet he leaves this whole flock out into that dangerous terrain that we were talking about, often just as dangerous for people as it would have been for animals, to search for this helpless sheep. And there could have been incredible sacrifice for that, I said. You know, maybe for himself. Who knows what could have happened to the other sheep if he left them alone. But in this, we see something incredible about who God is because we know that God has shown us incredibly sacrificial love in Jesus. The moment in our life where we were most helpless, when we felt most alone and most lost, that was the moment for which God sent his son to die on a cross, to bring us back into relationship with him. And us, every single one of us in this room at one point have been like that sheep. And that is when God showed incredible sacrificial love to chase after us. We see with the coin that God searches so meticulously, so carefully, so thoroughly for, the, the, for us like the woman did for the coin. She loses this thing of incredible value. She has to comb her entire house in this low light to try and find this coin in the straw-strewn floor. And this just makes me think about how God sees every single detail of our lives, every single season, every single bad day. And he comes in in the most unexpected of moments to touch us and to show us his love. I've heard so many stories of people after they become Christians saying, I, I've just had the worst run, thing after thing after thing after thing went wrong. And looking back now, I can just see God chasing me. I can see him placing little blessings and little gifts in every single moment of that journey like he was bringing me to himself. I've heard incredible stories of people who felt like they were completely at the, at the end of themselves, on the edge of a cliff, and a word from a complete stranger about the love of God is what just helps them take a step back and take a breath. That woman wasn't all-knowing. She didn't see all things. And so if she can search so carefully for a coin in her home, imagine how much more God can look over our lives and care for us and reach for us, anyone who might be lost in every single moment that they need it. The father of the prodigal son, he's a little bit different, right? Because he doesn't leave the comfort of his home. He doesn't go searching the countryside looking for his son. He, he stays at home. Family and the livestock and the servants, whatever else, might have been there. But when we see his response, I'm so confident that that father would have been waiting at home every single day, asking God to bring his son home waiting so patiently, so longingly, that just as his son had decided to leave him, his son would decide to come home. And we see this, right? Sometimes God is so patient with the lost in this life. We are not puppets on strings. He doesn't force our hand and drag us into relationship with him. Out of love, he gives us this choice that we get to make to step back into relationship with him. He waits like a loving parent for his beloved children, no matter how lost they might be, to come back home to him. These stories show how, how some people that are lost are really, really helpless. Some actively choose to run away. They're all valuable. It happens in all sorts of ways in this crazy world that we live in. But in response to that, God He chases after them. With sacrifice, he watches over them with care and he waits so patiently for the lost to come home. As I was preparing for this, I I read a book by a man named William Barclay and he, he had this quote that I really loved. He said, The sheep, they went lost through sheer foolishness. It didn't think, and many of us maybe would escape sin if we thought about it in time. The coin was lost through no fault of its own. Many are led astray. And God will lay guilt on anyone who's taught another to sin. The son deliberately went lost. He callously turned his back on his father. But the love of God can defeat human folly... even the deliberate rebellion of the heart. And we see this. We see that when God's love does that, when God's love finds the lost and those who are hurting and broken come home to him, they finally find their way back. Jesus says in every single one of these parables that there is an absolute party complete rejoicing we are talking call all the neighbors jump up and down hug one another kind don't often maybe associate with jesus or even with god but there is unbridled celebration when someone who's lost finds their way back we see that the shepherd he calls all of his neighbors and they celebrate and jesus says that this is like the rejoicing in heaven over a new disciple It's like this super special party reserved for that person in that moment alone in their life. And the woman too, she calls her whole community together to celebrate finding the joy over someone who's lost when they return home. The father, after his son, finally wakes up to himself and, and comes home very humbled after a failed venture. He holds no ill will towards his son. He faces him with complete compassion, draws him back in, restores his place in the family. And even when the the younger son, older brother comes out to whinge and complain, suggesting that his brother deserves all the suffering and all the exile that he brought on himself, obviously echoing the Pharisees pretty beautifully in that moment, the father, he won't relent. He continues with the party, with the rejoicing, with the celebrating. And so that's what we see. It doesn't matter how a person loses their way. It doesn't matter how they find their way back home. Every single one of us can and should rejoice and celebrate, along with all the heavens, along with our God, when someone finds their way back home. And there's, there's such a reminder of hope in that for us, I think, because we all have people we know who are lost, who aren't living with God, who are being tossed and turned by the motions of life and we just want them to find the same firm foundation that we live on. And again, I I don't have the pleasure of knowing every single one of you here today. Maybe you are someone who is feeling lost in life. There's something in you that says, oh, that kind of feels like me right now. This passage says that there is incredible joy for that moment when the front door opens of the kingdom and someone steps inside. But I know that for so many of us, there's kind of a question mark over that, right? You're thinking, well, like, yes, yes, Maddie, I hear you. There's great rejoicing, but I'm still waiting for the people that I love to come home. I'm still waiting for a moment to try and ask my, my child that walked away from God and the church what they think about God. I'm still waiting for my best friend to hear more about this faith that I live whoever it might be. We have this season, right, the season where we're, we're praying and we're just trying to witness to these people, show them the love of God, but we don't want to press too hard. We don't want to hurt the relationship. We feel like we're walking on a knife edge. And it's in that season in life where I think we feel a little bit more like what we were talking about at the beginning, right? We start to doubt sometimes maybe that these people will come home. Maybe we start to get a little apathetic or we start to lose faith that God is going to move in this situation. But these stories, they act as a reminder to us to never lose faith while we wait for the lost to come home, to never give up praying and loving and opening up the truth of God to others And if you are here today and and you don't know who God is to you, I, I think that these stories are saying to you that he is pursuing you with an abundant love and a life so much fuller than you could ever, ever imagine. And so I think the challenge that God laid on my heart in this passage today, one that I think he has for all of us, is to believe with fresh hope that the lost might be found to believe that God is constantly at work pursuing the lost. There are moments where he's going to ask us to step into that work and that journey with him, but he is the one who is always working, always seeing, always loving the people we know that have walked away from him or are yet to meet him. And there's a call in that for us. Maybe it's just to commit afresh to praying every single day. that person that you love even if it's just a sentence if it's just a moment to sit with the Lord and say God continue to work in their life and continue to show me how I can show you to them maybe it is to trust even more that God is working it's so hard when we can't see all the time what God is doing but we know through so many stories in scripture, through stories that we hear in, in our own lives and the lives of other Christians that we walk with, that God is constantly working. And we can live this life in faith that the Holy Spirit is constantly reaching out and ministering to those who are lost. There might be a challenge in this to invite someone to Alpha, <laughs> to hear the truth of God in a really, really safe place. And as we said before, we, we know that's scary, right? Right? what if they say no? What if that puts kind of a weirdness or a tension in the relationship that you don't want to impact anything? But I think that the challenge that this bit of Scripture brings us is just to dare for one moment to think, well, what if they say yes? What if they come? What if they just take one tiny step towards the kingdom? What if they actually enter into the kingdom and find peace and love and love? We are so excited about what Alpha might be in our church ongoing. This is not supposed to be a one-time thing. This is something that we want to become part of the DNA of our church. A constant opportunity for us to invite people that are lost in this life to wrestle with what they've seen and believed about the world and for us to share what we believe God says about that as well. And we do that because we believe that God can find a needle in a haystack that he can pursue and he can win over a rebellious heart, that he could pull someone off the ledge in life and bring them home. As we finish, I just, I just wanted us all to stop and, and just picture who is, who is that lost person? There might be a few, there might be one that God has really been laying on your heart. Just to picture them in your mind, whether it's, yeah, a child... A parent, a neighbor, a best friend— whoever it might be— what would change for you today if you left this place with fresh hope that they would become found and enter back into the kingdom? Would you be praying for them every day if maybe you haven't been before? Would you leave this place and invite them to Alpha? Maybe they're helpless. Maybe they are very, very rebellious but they are so, so valuable to our God and he has not stopped chasing them. You can believe that. I am um, I'm going to pray for us now, but one last word. If, if you are here today and, and you don't know who God is to you, maybe a lot of this is new to you and, and you don't even know what you believe, but you feel lost in life. We want to be here to love on you. If you would love to come to Alpha, we would love to have you along to to share some of what we believe about life, but we also just want to hear from you. I'll be down the front to talk, to pray, if if anybody wants it, Matt's going to be out in the foyer by the flag to keep answering any questions that people might have about Alpha, but most of all, we just want to be together in relationship. If you're lost, you have a home here, and we will love on you. If you are here and you are discouraged and you are despondent that the people you love in life feel like they're never coming home, we are here together to pray for you, to pray for them, to encourage one another, to keep on with with good deeds and loving others. And so we just keep on doing the work God has given us. But this passage today reminds us that we get to do that with an incredible hope that our God is faithful, to keep working and just as he has reached so many of us in this room, he will continue to reach the lost. His kingdom will continue to grow. And if we are obedient, if we are bold, and if we have faith in who he is, then I think that we will continue to see his kingdom grow in glory. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your heart, your heart of incredible grace. Lord, that you're not a stern parent, Lord, but a loving one and one that waits so patiently for the lost to come home. And Lord, I just pray for anyone here today that might be feeling lost in life, for anyone that might not know who you are or be in a relationship with you, Father. I pray that you would shower them with your love, that you would show them more of who you are Lord, that you would help them to feel at home in this place with this family, that we would be able to help walk with them in, in any pain or any trial they're experiencing and to share truth and love with them. Lord, we pray for all of the other people in our life that we know are lost. Lord, would you forgive us when we lose faith that you were working? Lord, would you forgive us when we shy away from an opportunity to share with them, when we know that the Spirit is just screaming at us to do so. Lord, would you help us to leave this place and live our life with fresh hope that you will bring lost people home to your kingdom? Help us to be obedient when you give us something to do in that task, to pray, invite to Alpha. There's a hundred ways that we can reach the lost, Lord. We just want to love them and, and help you in that journey. this Lord, so many of us here, we remember. We remember what it feels like to be lost. We remember what it feels like to not have roots in life, to not have a hope that outweighs everything this crazy world throws at us. We remember that, Lord, and we want to be a part of watching you bring as many people as possible out of that place as we can. And so, Lord, we give ourselves, our whole lives to helping you on that mission, loving others, sharing who you are. We pray, Lord, that in these coming weeks, in our own lives, whether it's through Alpha, through other conversations, Lord that we would continue to see more and more people come home to you, that we would see more and more of the lost and that we would be able to rejoice just like this passage says, that we would be able to party, that we would see baptisms, that we would see new small groups formed, more people learning who you are, Father. We pray expectantly and eagerly We love you, Lord, because you are a God that sees us and loves us and finds us. We pray that you would do that again, Lord. In the name of our beautiful Savior, the one who makes all of this possible, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.